image to the public. This is being done by thieves and thieves alone. And they ignore the fact that no, it's not thieves alone. It's a corrupt, vicious, hypocritical system that has castrated the black man. And the only way the black man can get back at it is to strike it in the only way he knows how. Hey, yo. Out the window with the joint, hoodied up, blood my eye. I let you fly like fuck it. Look how these niggas. Verbal intercourse. Verbal intercourse. Verbal intercourse. This is verbal intercourse. What's up, world? Back with you today on the Verbal Intercourse Podcast. <laughs> uh, shout out to everybody that's been listening. Um, thank you for listening and um continue to stream us on all the available platforms soundcloud spotify apple uh, we really appreciate you for paying attention to the verbal intercourse and continue to pay pay attention to the podcast and verbal intercourse uh, we having a lot of hot artists on and we got a lot of great great ideas coming coming y'all way so stay tuned um today we got some uh, special guests on here today. Um, first off, I want to say um, shout out to all the educators that um, are on the front lines and being as essential as possible. Um, um, I pray for, you know, pretty much, I pray for all the administrators, all the students, all the faculty, all the teachers, um, everybody that um, is basically you know going out into the pandemic and that are basically you know putting their health on the line to educate all the students of america and of the world you know so um i said all that to say um you know i'm gonna introduce everybody but i'm also let them introduce themselves um and um i'm happy to have all y'all on um thank all y'all for coming on um shout out to joe collins Brittany Singleton and Jamal Simmons. Um, all of them are educators in different states. Joe is in Mississippi, Brittany is in Tennessee, and Jamal is in Georgia. So um, I'm gonna start out with Joe. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you introduce yourself. And um, so yeah, Joe, introduce yourself. <laughs> Joe Collins, Joseph Collins. I am been in education for ten years. Uh, I started my career as a science teacher, and then I taught engineering and I learned chemistry. Uh, taught for a couple years in Kentucky and moved back down to Mississippi and I taught in Clinton for a little while and now I'm an administrator in Jackson Public Schools. All right, cool, cool, cool. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Joe. Uh, okay, uh, Brittany, introduce yourself. I am Dr. Brittany Singleton. That feels oh. weird saying it. Oh, my fault. My fault. <laughs> um, I am originally from Jackson, Mississippi. Um, I've been teaching for 12 years. I moved here two years ago. This is my third year teaching in Nashville. Um, I have expertise in teaching reading and language arts. Um, and currently, I'm a special education teacher. This is my sixth year teaching special ed. Um, and yeah, that's me. Okay. Shout out to Brittany and Joe. Um, Two two people that have actually been on the podcast before, so I thank y'all for you know coming on again. Um, all right, introduce yourself, Jamal. Uh, hello, my name is Jamal Simmons. I've um, been teaching for about six years now. Um, I'm a math teacher, um, certified to teach anywhere uh, K through six. 
but um, I, I've stuck with sixth grade for most of my career. Uh, taught a little bit of eighth grade, uh, and also algebra one, my first year teacher. So, um, just happy to jump on here with uh, some of these credible uh, sources over here. Uh, Doc, <laughs> shout out to Jamal, man. It's, uh, my JSU alum uh, stayed right across the hall from me. That's how we met. That one of the most brilliant guys I ever known. Um, basically helped me get through Cal Cal one. If it weren't for Cal, if it weren't for Jamal, I wouldn't even be where I'm at. <laughs> so shout out to Jamal. Uh we're gonna get right into it. Um I wanted to ask um y'all what what were y'all initial thoughts when school ended in March and April due to the beginning of the COVID nineteen pandemic? Because I know, you know, it was a crazy transition because you know, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, school ended the in-person school, but y'all had to quickly switch to virtual. And I'm sure that's something that none of y'all were prepared for because, I mean, it was just random and it happened, you know. So um, talk to me a little bit about it, um, Jamal. I'll, I'll let you start off with it. Okay. Uh, well, um, initially when, when we first had to switch, it was a uh, – it was – it was difficult, I'll say. Uh, I, I say difficult more for my students. Um, I, I, I normally use uh, resources online. Uh, I love Khan Academy. Uh, man, that's that's like one of my go-tos for uh, math instruction. And I use it regularly. So I was still able to provide instruction for my students and practice for them as well. But uh, I, I will say that that virtual switch, um, we switched like within three days, um, which I'm sure a lot of districts did. And it was just uh, it was it was a lot for students to process, um, especially since math is one of those subjects. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty old school when it comes to math, paper, pencil. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we're going to take our notes and we're going to use our notes to help us get through everything we're doing. But, um, you know, going all virtual was 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 kind of difficult i'd say so was it difficult for the students to be able to get their hands on computers or was that a, was that an issue in y'all district uh not in my district um we were able to provide students with computers um and that was uh that was actually really interesting uh first time ever being in in that time, type of situation because uh, normally uh, we wouldn't have been able to do that in the schools I've taught at in the past. But um, I think it was I, I'm, I said it was difficult because if students had questions uh, now, they're not in the classroom to ask you. So they're asking mom. Mom's got, you know, <laughs> two kids and mom's like, well, look, no, you need to call your teacher. And then, <laughs> you know, it, it was just a big thing because a lot of students, you know, they weren't used to communicating you know, through email, you know, they, they could walk up to me, Mr. Simmons, Mr. Simmons, I have a question, you know. So uh, I, I think it was more difficult for, for parents and, and students. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I can definitely see where you're going. That's definitely. Uh, yeah. I mean, from the outside looking in, I could see how all of those things could definitely be an issue. So uh, moving on to Joe, well, what you think about it, Joe, how difficult, how difficult was that transition for you? And what were your initial thoughts during the beginning of the pandemic with in, in regards to being an educator? We were on spring break and not ever coming back to be any 
and we never came back from spring break. So not ever coming back for, from spring break was hard for me because uh, as an assistant principal, a lot of times you are the disciplinarian in the, in the school. And so I was able to form relationships with some of our most challenging kids and then never see them after spring break. And then I, I knew that I was going to be promoted. So that was going to be my last time seeing them, period, um, in that role. And, I, you know, I was going to an, an entirely different school. So I never got to say my goodbyes. So relationships are really important to me uh, in education. It's not all about, you know, what you teach and, and all of that. But it's about those relationships. So it was hard for me. I know that it was hard for parents. I'm with Joe. I went home. I initially went home for spring break because I had a workshop I was doing back home. And uh, got the email that school was going to be out because of COVID. So I'm thinking, okay, well, we're kind of out temporarily. We don't, you know, it's not a, a, a long-term thing. Um, but things changed and it became a long-term thing. And it's different from the special education aspect of things because not only do you have to service the children, but you have to make sure that you're servicing them properly. Um, and it's different doing it virtually because you can kind of reach them better when you're actually there with them as opposed to through the computer. Um, I work at a school that is in a low income area. So most of the children there are English language learners um, and they are not financially stable to have the resources that they need. So we're functioning under Metro Nashville Public Schools, but we're a charter school, which means we focus, we, we function on our own entity. So then it came the problem of making sure that our students had the resources that they, that they needed. So when the announcement came that, um, the governor and the mayor worked together to get money to provide every student within the district with the computer. That became a plus for us because it, it became a, a, a thing for us to be able to serve students. But on the flip side, agreeing with what Jamal said, you have parents who have two and three children. So you have families that have three and four children, four and five kids, parents who are trying to go to work, um, parents who don't know how to function properly under virtual learning because they're so used to sending their kids to school and letting us do it. So it's different. That's what I can say. It's definitely different. Um, and I think it's a good thing in being different. And I say that because it opens up a door for educators to become better. So after COVID is over, it gives us the opportunity to become better educators and be well-rounded in that aspect of it. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, I do. I do think it, you know, definitely gives the educators a chance to become better. I think it gives everybody a chance that's out here working in any type of field to get better because essentially everybody is having to change and change in some regard into how whatever they do, how they deliver it. <clears throat> so glad, glad you're back with us, Joe. Uh, I'll let you finish what you yeah, were saying. Yeah, my phone overheated. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Them iPhones will do that in the summertime, man. My it happened to me today. But go ahead, bro. Oh uh, yeah, so I was saying that you know the relationship part was hard. Um, it, it's ex especially hard for a district that does not that contains uh, impoverished people and marginalized people because everyone doesn't have a device, and you can't just switch to virtual for you know twenty four thousand students out of twenty four thousand students. Maybe 10,000 have a device and maybe 16 of them, 16,000 of them have a device, but no Wi-Fi. Uh, and so you got you got real, real, real issues in Jackson that, you know, present uh, challenges for us to go virtual instantly. Even now, going back virtual on Monday is going to be challenging because we 
you know, we budget for a certain amount of students to get these laptops and then we run out. And so we're having to purchase more laptops and everybody can't start school with them. So now we're having to do um, instructional packets plus virtual. So now my teachers are planning uh, instructional lessons, I mean, instructional packets to pass out to students who don't have devices until we're able to get them. This is, it's, it's just a hard challenge. So leaving out in March was hard for me. I know that it was specifically hard for parents because they don't, you don't, they plan for one week for their students to be out for, for spring break. They didn't plan for five months for them to be back at home while they had to work their jobs. And that's hard. You know, uh, I, I think about my family. If my wife wasn't an entrepreneur, it, this would be a challenging time to you know for us because we would have to find somewhere for my son, my seventh grader to participate in virtual learning if we weren't at home a lot of parents aren't comfortable this is not a this is not a time that you can leave your kids at home in the 90s when we was growing up my mom leave me at home it'd be it'd be straight because the neighborhood gonna watch now the only reason the neighborhood watching is so they can see what you got you know what i mean and so uh, it's a little bit it's a little bit different it's a different time Okay. Okay. So, so you, you said a valid point, um, especially about, you know, the kids that are staying home with the virtual learning. And, um, so how would you have kids? Jamal has kids. How, how do y'all feel about that? Um, with the virtual learning, staying at home and, uh, what, and, What's your anxiety level of having kids that are going back to the schools? You know, what's your anxiety level with that? Is, is it something that you feel like is it doesn't make you nervous at all? Or how do you feel about it? Um, as far as the decisions that have been made by the senior leadership in Jackson, I think that was a solid decision for us to go virtual because of uh, the mitigation of the threat. If we include kids back into the environment, asymptomatic or not, there are teachers in the building that need to be taken care of and need to be valued just like we value everyone else's life. Teachers are not robots, and a lot of them have underlying conditions. And, um, you know, we, we got to treat them like they people. And sending kids back who are asymptomatic to adults who may not be asymptomatic is, you know, it's asinine to think that we, we're going to stay healthy if students are in the building. If we really want to flatten the curve, people need to stay at the house. That's that's what we've been saying for five months, right? So why send, why send students back to, you know, back to a school? Because you got to have the generation of the, you know, the economy has to continue to be generated and it has to continue to move around. And students make that happen. As long as students are at school, parents can go to work. Money flows. But when students are at the house, money doesn't flow because parents ain't at work and so it's a very tricky situation but as far as economy versus life i'm gonna choose life every time and um keeping students out of the buildings is you know is securing life more than it is securing the economy it's one of those things that you just kind of go you got to pick one of the harder harder decisions and i think that the leadership in jackson did the right thing yeah, yeah, I think they did too. Like, like, and I, I was happy to hear that they actually did the right thing because I really feel like it wasn't. We didn't have a choice, basically. In Jackson, we didn't. So, so uh, Jamal, um, 
what do you think about it? Um, what because you have grade school kids, so what was your anxiety level of actually? Because I mean, you seeing both sides. You're the teacher, and you have kids that are, that are students. So, so um, talk to me a little bit about you know your anxiety level of being an educator going back into a school with a bunch of kids and stuff like that. <clears throat> well, uh, you know, honestly, the, the thought of going back to school, uh, it really frightened me um, for, for even, I mean, I teach sixth grade and, you know, these are 11, 12 year old kids uh, who supposedly, you know, are supposed to be able to look after themselves kind of, sort of, but, you know, you think that, but then you still have students that are not that clean. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just difficult because, you know, what if a kid is sick, you know, and, and now you're, you're, kind of, you're kind of affecting the whole school population because that kid might be all throughout the building. And um, so I was I was definitely afraid for myself and, you know, for my other coworkers and you know, I'm a young man, um, but my coworkers aren't young people per se. You know, uh, mm-hmm. like Joe said, you got to look out for everybody. I think um, I, I think that's the, the main thing we're looking at here is, yeah, some people are going to be OK. Some are not. So, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of you, you always want to err on the side of caution. Um, and then with my own children, uh, I definitely uh i was like no nah, let's let's go ahead and get them up out of here because uh, you know i as much as i want them to learn uh as much as i can teach them i'm not finna send them in a school building uh folks send their kids to school sick already yeah uh, you know as as you know yeah. we're educated let's, let's be honest uh, you know your kid running a fever and their mom they know they not feeling too good they still gonna send them up in there because they ain't got nowhere to just to, to you know, nowhere else to put them. Right. Um, so, you know, uh, it, it's, it's nothing for kids to get other kids sick. And then next thing you know, you, they teach you sick. And, uh, you know, so I, I, I just need it. And, and thank God I'm in a place to where my kids, uh, you know, their, uh, their mom was at home. So it wasn't a big it wasn't as big a deal. The transition for for uh, virtual for my own students, uh, for my own kids. So, uh you know, uh, but I know everybody's not that fortunate. Right. So I, I definitely have to respect both sides of it. Uh, so. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, like you said, everybody's not that fortunate. Luckily, you know, you was you was able to do it. And and because uh, and that's and that's an interesting point you made that, you know, parents send their kids to school sick because I know, you know, I don't think my mother would have sent me to school sick with, you know, with COVID-19 out there. But I remember when I was in grade school, you know, shoot, if you ain't about to die, you about to go to school. Like, I mean, I mean, that's just that's just how our parents was, you know. So uh, I'm going to move on to Brittany. Uh, Talk to me a little bit about, you know, your anxiety level of being an educator, you know, in the school, in, in the school and, you know, when it's reopening, because I know that you're doing the virtual learning but you know you're in here with all your co-workers and all that so talk to me a little bit about that first of all i have anxiety with covid anyway um <laughs> yeah because <laughs> I, I i'm i'm more so of a neat freak i have to have things clean 
I don't really trust people to begin with. So when I was told we were doing virtual learning, I got excited. But then when my boss came back and said, well, you got to teach from the school. And I wasn't trying to chastise his, his judgment, but I asked him the question, what's the difference in me teaching from home than teaching from school? Because I'm going to do the same thing either place. And the thing was that he felt like he could not trust other staff members if we weren't to report to work. And I'm looking at him like, you can trust me. I'm going to do my job. <laughs> it, it opened up my eyes to like, okay, you don't know where these people being, but just make sure you keep yourself covered. So I remember having a conversation with a coworker um, about a week before we went to work. And she told me that someone in her family had COVID-19 and she had been exposed to them. And I'm like, well, did you tell about that you know you've been exposed or are you just gonna come to work well i don't think you know it's it's no need to their thing to say is it's no need to be paranoid so my thing with it is it's not that i'm paranoid i'm using my common sense so i tell y'all what i'm going i'm coming to work i'm gonna teach from the computer but if you have a question call my phone um i'm lifestyling and wiping everything down because i cannot afford to be sick and it's it's bigger to me because you know when i was at home i was with my mom you know, being with a senior citizen and having to take care of her. But then my aspect of it now is I live by myself. So if I get COVID, who's going to take care of me? I'm in here fighting by myself. So I think my anxiety levels are still there. They have come down a lot um, because I make sure that I use proper precautions. Um, and even though I haven't been exposed, I've been exposed to one person and tested negative. I think I'm going to keep getting tested just to make sure that I do not have it. Um, they take our attempts at work every time we come in every day. Um, but then I brought up the discussion that you can be asymptomatic. You may not have any symptoms and you're supposed to people within the workplace with it. Um, but just being safe, using proper precautions, like I said, Lysol and wiping stuff down before and after I leave. Uh, hey, you got something to say. If you come in my room, you need to stay back there by the door and ask your question. Don't come close. You know, just, just being safe because we don't know. But I do... I do feel that this is the new norm. Um, I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. So we all just have to be accustomed to dealing with it at this point. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think that's, that's you know, real good that you providing your own safety. Because I think, you know, at, at this point, um, you're right, it is our new norm. And I think, you know, we have to take responsibility on how we prepare our bodies and our environments for um uh so that we won't be able so that we won't transmit the vac the, the uh, virus or that we won't you know get it be asymptomatic pass it to other people um i know me personally you know me working um in home health um before before i even leave every morning i take uh emergency mm-hmm. um i wipe down um before i even see a patient i wipe down you know my my thermometers, my blood pressure cuffs, everything that I can possibly do. Every house I go in, I'm double masked up, face shield, gloves, all that type of stuff so that, you know, I can make sure I'm safe and that I'm providing safety to the patients that I see. Um, I wanted to ask y'all because I feel like you brought brought up the point of how do you, you know, prepare yourself um, going into work? Do you, is it any safety measures that you you know, perform with yourself and even after work, like when you leave work, like how do you do, is this something that you do? Cause I know when I get off, when, when I get off, I take my scrubs off at the door. I take my shoes off at the door. 
I'll be completely naked once I step onto the car, uh, to my carpet, dog. Like I'll be completely naked, and then I go straight to the shower. It don't even, it don't even matter. I'm a, I'm a end up. I take two showers because I go straight to the shower. Then I work out, and then I take another shower. So, um, talk to me a little bit about it, Britt. What do you have like a routine or something to, to you know, make you a little bit more confident when you go into school? So the first thing I do before I even get up and brush my teeth in the morning is go straight to the vitamin cabinet. I got zinc, um, vitamin D3, multivitamins, all types of vitamins I take. Um, and then I, you know, get ready for work. I make sure I have my bag packed because, you know, jobs to tell you they have the essentials for you, like the, the Clorox and all that type of stuff. I take my own stuff to work. Um, I have gloves in my bag. I got gloves in my purse. I got masks in my car. I make sure I have everything prepped. Um, and when I get out from work, I, like I, like you said, I come home, I take all this stuff off, I drop it in the washing machine, I go shower to make sure I'm not bringing those germs in here. Um, so just making sure I, you know, take care of my health because of what they're not telling you is they tell you to wear the mask and the gloves and all that, but how to build your immune system. So you need to make sure that your immune system is strong enough. So if you do get it, you're able to fight it off. Yeah, that's, that's real. They make y'all wear masks. Oh, well, yeah, they do make us wear masks. Now, some of my coworkers have gotten comfortable to where they walk around the building without them on. Not me. <laughs> I'm not doing it. All right, Jamal. Jamal. And then I'm, I've started eating in my car, so you won't catch me sleeping. Yeah, see, but that's the thing. That's tricky for me because I do home health, so I don't even eat in my car. I'll be hungry as hell all day, and if I do get something to eat, I stand outside and, like, eat it, dog. Like, I'm, like, real conscious about everything that I'm doing right now. So, uh, talk to me a little bit about it, Jamal. Uh, you got any, like, safety measures that you go, that, that you abide by to kind of give you that confidence that you're safe? Um, you know, uh, right now, I mean, I haven't been in the school building at all since, mm -hmm. uh, since we left. Uh, matter of fact, I, I think I only went into my room to, to kind of, get rid of some of that, uh, the, the trash and stuff, you know, some of those excess papers I had, you know, from the year. So, uh, but of course when I went up there, you know, my mask on, uh, I, I didn't necessarily put the gloves on, but I, I definitely made sure I always wash my hands frequently. Um, and I did that anyway, cause like I said, you know, you're dealing with these kids, so you, you gotta do that anyway. Um, but you know, when I get home, like y'all said, I, I don't necessarily get naked. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, some, uh, some young ladies in in this house, but uh, yeah. I, I definitely will go ahead. I, I head straight to the back, uh, clothes, you know, get them ready to wash, uh, and you know, go ahead and take a shower and get get, get cleaned off. Cause, uh, like Brittany said, is 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 you wearing the mask, but you know, people forget about the clothes. You know, you walking around all day, you know, those those carry germs as well. So. Uh, that's that's pretty much my routine. Uh, I'm I'm sticking to it. I'm, I'm praying. I'm hoping that it's, it's going to be enough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, nothing is 100%. I mean, there's people out here that say they've been doing everything, you know, under the sun, and they still happen to get it. And it's, <laughs> and it's I mean, it's just one of them things, you know. But, you know, we can do our best to kind of – prepare ourselves you know the best way we can make it'll make us feel confident that we can go throughout our day without having that anxiety about possibly um contracting the disease so joe joe uh talk to me a little bit about it my routine is not is not as uh as safe as, every, as everybody else's uh, and it's, 
not because I don't want it to be. It's just because principling is hard work. Uh, when I get home, I t- I do take off my clothes and I put them in dirty clothes, but I ain't just hop in the shower. Sometimes I just lay out on the floor and de-stress. Yeah. A lot of things, COVID, COVID is, is only one part of this, but the stress that this entire thing has brought about is more damaging than COVID itself, I think. I don't think that people truly understand the mental change that they're going through right now. Uh, being constantly worried is bad for your health. You know what I'm saying? Being being constantly concerned about not talking to this person, staying six feet from this person. I, as a principal, I got to walk around the school. I got to walk into your classroom. I got to meet parents as soon as they come in the door. You know what I'm saying? We have cut off uh, visitors in our building. So, and, and like Brittany was saying, some you know, why do we have to teach from the school? It, it, it's, it's important though, in, in my opinion, because people ain't gonna do right from the house. You got a whole lot of teachers that is, that's gonna do an excellent job with virtual education. You have some people on your staff that's gonna take this as an opportunity to be lazy. Everybody ain't gonna work hard. If everybody worked hard, then, there, then it wouldn't be no broke folks out in the world. But it's broke people out there because folks is lazy. You know what I'm saying? And they don't do, you know, they ain't gonna, they ain't gonna do right without a little supervision. And so, so sometimes, you, you know, I understand that part of it. I understand why we got to make folks come to work. I also understand doing staff meetings from my office. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and doing, you know, one-on-ones and observations by popping in somebody's Zoom room instead of popping into their classroom and standing right there by them. But, uh, no, so no, my routine isn't isn't as safe. It needs to be more safe because I got a one-year-old. Uh, I do make sure I, I'm – my wife makes sure I wash every time I touch her. And um, she makes sure that my shoes come off as soon as I get home. I don't think without – I think that my wife is a, a lot more safe than I am as, it, as it, when it comes to cleanliness. And um, she's been kind of managing our household, you know, making sure that uh, people is, you know, held accountable for cleanliness, everybody in the house. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's, you know, it's hard. It's, it's a hard thing to think about constantly. Uh, it's a hard thing to walk around in these masks constantly. It's a hard thing to, this entire, this entire, you know, time is just, is just more challenging than we've ever thought. But it, it is important to stay clean. I'm not saying it's not. But it's also important to make sure that your mental is good. In the last couple of months, I've lost 30 pounds, uh, not from stress or anything like that, but because I've been building my immune system. Don't smoke anymore. Don't drink anymore. You know what I'm saying? I just I completely have changed my life because of COVID and because I just need to make some more healthy decisions once, once you pass 30. But, uh, you know, I've been, I've, been, I've been more focused on my mental health than anything. And I know that COVID don't really affect the mind, affect the lungs, but at the same time, without the mind, you don't have anything. That's real, dog. Because, cause, uh, you know, I feel like I've taken the same approach as you is uh, really focusing on the mind aspect. Because, you know, if, if your mind is gone, if you're worried all the time, your immune system won't work like it's supposed to work. And then you'll be more susceptible to catching a virus. So, so I think, you know, what you said was very, really important and, you know, you know, we are proud of you because, you know, you're doing what you got to do. Cause I mean, 
essentially you have a you have a different outlook due to the fact of the position that you were in. You were responsible for a lot of people and you're responsible for all the kids at your school. So so shout out to Joe, man. He do, <laughs> he doing what he gotta do. Yeah, it's something man, it's and I you know, I just wanna say shout out to all educators that are having to go out, even the ones that have to do virtual. Mm-hmm. This is this is you know when they say traditional education versus virtual education they they need to you know people need to understand that traditional it virtual is, is almost the complete opposite of traditional education the way we discipline children is is different the way that we are responding to parents is different the way that we communicate is different everything about our job has changed and the public opinion has not mm-hmm. you know public opinion is getting is getting you know more and more intense on how they are holding us accountable for the things that they think we're responsible for and i want to put an emphasis on the things that they think we're responsible for and uh not not necessarily the things that we truly are responsible for we're responsible for educating your kids we're not responsible for child care we're not responsible for anything else other than that like that people need to stop stop thinking that schools are babysitters we're not babysitters we got our own kids you know, because we're educators. We come in to educate your children every day. That is imparting knowledge. That ain't got nothing to do with babysitting. Now, do your kids come to us, you know, as a free way of, you know, having them going for those eight hours? Yes. But we ain't babysitting. Joe, you open your door? I hate to hear people say that. Joe, you open your door? You open, yeah, did you open your door? Might be the AC. Oh, it might be the AC. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, okay, my bad. <laughs> All right. Look, I'm trying to keep this phone cool. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. So, uh, we're gonna move on, man. We're gonna shift focus a little bit. Um, you know, just like it's difficult on y'all, y'all already basically hit on it a little bit on um how the difficulty it is uh for the students, how difficult it is for students. Um, have y'all been able to, you know, discuss or hear from the students on how difficult this change is for them? I think that the student voice is the least heard voice in um, in this entire deal. Parents, adults got a whole lot to say, but students have not. They don't. First of all, they don't have a platform. Um, but I think that they will transition better than all the adults were will because they're they're more technologically advanced than adults are uh, like somebody put on facebook the other day they've learned 24 dances off tiktok you don't think they can learn from virtual education these oh, students yeah. they could be all right you know students adjust students adapt and they survive everything that comes at them and uh as long as they're supported so as long as the adults know that uh that we got to we got to maintain in order for them to maintain, then they'll be all right. Yeah. What 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 about you, Jamal? You have you you said you haven't been back in the school, but have you been able to? You know, I'm sure you don't talk to your kids about the transition, and you know, talk to me a little bit about what you don't heard about the from from students on the transition. Um, well, I, I must admit, uh, I, I, I definitely agree with Joe that students adapt. Uh, they're they're very resilient. Um, they'll they'll try their best. Um, but it also comes down to motivation, too. Uh, I found that I had students when we switched to virtual 
like my middle of the pack kids, some of them went left, some of them went right. Um, and then, you know, my, my, my more motivated students, uh, my students that always do good, they, they took it in stride, they listened, they learned, they figured out how to, you know, navigate through the virtual learning. Um, but then I had some students that just flat out didn't do a doggone thing. So, yeah. uh, you know, I, I know it's tough. Uh, like I said, you know, I, I, I got so many ugly emails and all I did was just smile and reply back in a, in a nice Christianly manner. Because uh, I, I promise you, I, I wanted the dog out a few pants because, um, you know, they were being trifling and they were being sorry. But I, I had to respect their position because, honestly, it's, it's really going to be up to them. They're, they're the motivating factor. Either they're going to make their child do the work or they, you know, they're going to sit back and, and, and listen to them. Yeah, mama did all my homework. No, they didn't do a doggone thing. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's sad because, like Joe said, the students are the least heard in this. Um, they definitely need a voice. They need to say so in this. But I, I think we put a lot of pressure on kids to adapt um, and to go ahead and just say, well, hey, you know, this is what I'm supposed to do. Let me go ahead and do it. Um, it's, it's difficult. Uh, it, it really is. And, and it really does come down to motivation at the end of the day. Who's going to get it? Who's not? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, the world has changed, uh, work has changed, school has changed, and but at the end of the day, motivation is, you know, basically, you know, how one one is above the other. But at the same time, I think you know, as a student, that's tough. As a teenager, that's tough. You know, because you know, a change, a swift change in the environment like that could could really you know throw you off the rails i know i don't adapt well to new environments real quickly so so um i i can definitely see the see the difficulty in in how the students are adapting um Brittany, uh talk to me a little bit about your students um have you talked to them and heard heard any of their voices about the difficulty of changing so we have um social and emotional learning check-ins that we've been doing for the past two weeks since they've been back um, and to see their faces gives me a sense of normalcy. And I've had some students say, well, we, you know, we miss y'all so much. Why, why can't we come to school? They can't understand why they can't come. Um, I teach K through fourth grade. So the smaller ones are trying to wonder why they can't come to school. And the bigger ones are like, okay, we got to do all this work and turn it in. Um, so like Jamal was saying, it, it, it sets into the standard of you got to do your work and turn it in or you won't get credit for it. But for the smaller ones, it's trying to just get them accustomed to knowing that even though you can't physically be here with us or you can still see us through the computer. Um, but it's definitely hard because like I was saying, no one has asked them how they're doing. Um, it's more so how to find COVID it's had on people. Yeah. I think she made an excellent point, uh, ex especially for elementary students. Now I said we're, they're more technologically advanced. I was kind of speaking towards high school. Kindergarten through fifth, this is this is not a this is not the optimal thing for their for their learning, uh, especially K and one and two who learn through play and learn through touching and learn through socialization. This ain't this ain't this ain't hard, man. I mean, this is this is a hard a hard thing, and we are gonna see an achievement gap for sure. Until we figure this out, the gap is gonna spread um, because you know, like I you know like I was saying, traditional schooling is is what we've been trained our pedagogy is all about traditional 
anybody that went to college up until now has learned how to do how to be a traditional teacher. Nobody has done virtual training at the at a college level. And you don't really learn a lot about being a teacher in college anyway. You learn about being a teacher your first year teaching. And if your first year teaching was traditional and then bam, you right into virtual land, you started all over. I've started all over. You know, having to to meet kids where they are without actually physically seeing how they are, it, that's hard. You know, we're doing, we, we've been, all of this training about SEL, SEL has been really popular in the education community for about four years, but it's really hitting the scene now because uh, social-emotional learning is going to be one of those things that helps get us through. But it's hard to gauge how a student's doing if you can't see what clothes they got on right now. You are seeing into their, into their real world through virtual lens. And a lot of these students are at a lot, are at, you know, are at a loss. You look into their home, and you know what's going on now. Uh, but you're not able to physically see them, physically get them in front of your face to say, you know, let me help you out. You, you send them into a breakout room, and then you talk to them like that. But that's 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 like this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I want to touch yeah. on something Joe said that uh, that really caught my attention uh, when he said that uh, students. Uh, it's it's hard to meet them where they are if you don't actually meet them. And I thought that was so important because with virtual learning, there's certain uh, limitations to what you can do as an educator. Um, like I said, I use Khan Academy, but students, it's, it's nothing for my sixth graders and they'll Google it. They'll figure it out. You know, they'll, they'll look up all the answers. But then when, you know, you give them an assessment, uh, it's, it's, it's a whole nother story. You know, you think by them doing their homework, they, they doing okay. And some of them are, are struggling. Really, they are. And, you know, truth be told, some of my kids probably, they're, I, I, I've noticed uh, that their parents will do a lot of their work too for them. So, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to assess students over this, this, this little virtual learning, uh, assess them effectively. Let me say that, because I can assess them. I can shoot them a test, but you know, how much of the tests are they doing on their own? Uh, you know, it is that that accountability factor is gonna be tough, you know, with these kids at home and doing God knows what with Google, because I mean Google is the best thing out there right now, I'm feeling. Cause I'm gonna tell you, when I used to take them um them hybrid classes in college, you know what I'm saying? And them tests <laughs> and them tests come out, dog. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, man. The whole the whole class and we was in college. This wasn't you you know what I'm saying? You know these kids gonna do it. We was in college doing it. So so yeah, I I it, I already know the assessment part of it is really hard because you know, you're not gonna have that much carryover if I can if I can Google the answers, you know. Like, you know, kids not gonna be able to pass. People, you know, we also we also forget how important proximity to a child is. Being proximal to a child changes their education. In my class, I constantly walked. I never really sat down. It's an energized person like that. I was going to see what you was writing on your paper right then because I'm going to be right there by your desk. Students hardly ever acted up in my class because they know I'm going to be standing over you while I'm teaching. I used to teach and walk the whole time. Unless I was at the board writing or something like that, I was walking constantly, like talking directly to some students or taking a left, taking a right, you know. But right now, all you got is me in this frame. You know what I'm saying? And you can mute. 
the video. <laughs> you can mute the video. You know what I'm saying? And walk off. I'm still teaching. What I'm going to say, what I'm going to stop and say, Johnny, unmute your video right now. Then then Carol does it. And then uh, Mr. Smith does it. Or something like that. So I'm unmuting everybody's video constantly, 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 constantly. Uh, that's not discipline. And that's not how you, that's not how you, you know, maintain a classroom. But, you know, new times. Yeah, definitely new times. Um, I'm going to hit my last point because um, I, I feel like it's really important. And I think you kind of hit up on it, um, how, you know, uh, a lot of the politicians were, you know, pushing school to return. And um, because they was basically saying the main aspect is the social aspect that, that kids need, which I feel like it is very important. I think a lot of the... Uh, I, I agree with what they were saying, but I think the people that were saying it were really right wing people. So we kind of were skeptical about what they were saying, which I, I feel like it's a valid point. But, um, you know, and education has to go on. So um, what, what do you feel about that, um, about the social aspect um, of students and, uh, you know, per se, like, you know, students particular, uh, particularly like participating in sports and stuff like that. What do you what do you think about it, Joe? Um, as far as sports participation, I don't think that our leadership and I'm not afraid to say it. Our governor is not making a, a, a wise decision as to allowing people two participants per per participant. I mean, two people per participant are allowed into a stadium. Okay. Uh, if we think about the stadiums that are operable in Jackson, we're thinking about North Jackson Field, that has enough space. And we think about South Jackson Field, that has enough space for that for that to happen. How do you manage what two students? I mean, what two people come with? What come with the student? I mean, you know what I'm saying? So, say that my son goes to a football game. Me and my wife walk in at once. That's his two people. Okay. Who's to say that my, my brothers come to the game and say, we're here for Travis Collins? You know what I'm saying? That's just two people. They've come in. How, how You know, are you writing every student's name down and saying, okay, there go two students for that for this person? That means you have to have a roster for every child that is participating in that sport. And or, or you're doing a wheel call type of deal and you people have pre-signed up. But this hasn't been thought through, man. You yeah. got to think through everything that you do before you – engage in COVID land. There has to be a plan. And you cannot go out and you can't go to war without no plan. Because yeah. you're going to war. You know, you're going to war every day. And now we're talking about football, a contact sport. If we're talking about water droplets transfer the disease or transfer the virus, you talking about football, you're gonna take a a thermometer scan for somebody who's already warmed up for football. Let me tell yeah. you as a, as a as a track athlete in college there was a entire 30 minute period that I would before any event that I was sweating before then. So now you you telling me before I play, I'm going to get a temperature scan. Of course, it's going to read a hundred. I've been banging it out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and sports like cross country can make it. You can stagger, uh, you can stagger the start. You can take everybody's time and you can judge off the time who won basketball. You can't do that. Football. You can't do that. Soccer. You can't do that. People are going to touch. Yeah. And and I and the thing about it is it's it's gonna be tough for, you know, a lot of these high school students because 
a lot of them, you know, look at their sport as their way out, you know. That's that's not not only is it their way out, you know what I'm saying, uh physically, their way to leave the to go off to college, to leave where they grew up at. Like psychologically, it's their way out. That's their escape, you know. So I just feel I mean, like I, I completely understand. I, w- I was that athlete. If I, if it had not been for Alcorn Track, I wouldn't have I would have went to the military. And so my life would have altered if I didn't get a scholarship. Completely understand that. Is it, you know, it's just one of them things. It's like, do I put you out there and risk your life because I know you're good enough to get a scholarship? Or do I keep you at home and save your life, but not really because now you don't have a scholarship? Yeah. It's man, it's a hard choice for parents. It's a hard choice. You know, I, I was talking to a coach at Callaway saying that he was encouraging some of his kids to go to private school so they can still play. Because they blue chip and they gonna get a they gonna get as long as they graduate college, they're gonna get the, I mean graduate high school, they're gonna get that that scholarship. Mm-hmm. That ain't the same for every kid. Every kid yeah. ain't blue chip. We gotta go about a different way of of, of, of gaining these scholarships. Maybe highlight tapes will start getting scholarships now instead of actual performing. But yeah. scouts gotta, gotta understand that COVID out there, man. And I may not be playing my best because I'm worried. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Scouts don't really <laughs> scouts ain't the type that care about anything. They just care about what you can do. Yeah, yeah. So, what you how you feel about it, Jamal? Uh, you know, I, honestly, I mean, we 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 close down schools for this very reason. I mean, I I feel like you're gonna have more people at sporting events than you are gonna have them in school. So, you know, it's it's <laughs> it's it's a no brainer at this point. You know, I mean, I hate it because, like y'all said. These boys, you know, some of these it's, it's kids around this nation, this is their only way. It's their only way. Um, you know, I wish some of them took advantage of it more and actually got the education part more than the sports part. But, hey, look, that's that's not my cross to bear. But I, I really feel like, you know, if you're going to have sports, you're not trying to flatten this curve. You know, uh, I even read where some of these college athletes were trying to get COVID you know, so that they could overcome it and play during the season when there's no guarantee that they're going to overcome it. Uh, so it, it's just one of those things. I, I I mean, do we wipe this this year off the record books? Maybe, man. You know, it, you know, we're going to have to find a different way. Uh, I, I disagree with what Joe said about the real tapes, though, uh, because that doesn't necessarily show how you're going to get down, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a tennis player, so you can show it me a real. You can show me. You can, you can show me. You know, yeah. a kid that. You know, I'm just I'm just putting something out there. You know, yeah. for somebody to hear. So little Johnny ain't got to go out there and play his heart out True. or his lungs out for real. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Before he's able to get a scholarship. True. True. Go. True. It's, it's it's difficult, man. I, I mean, it's it's one of those things, like. Uh, it, it's, it's going to be a hard year for everybody. Uh, you know, maybe scouts probably have more pressure on them than anybody. Uh, us Real educators, talk. you know, hey. Real talk. I'm a, well, I mean, truth be told, if you're a blue chip player, like the scouts already know. I think who is going to hurt is the people that really needed that senior year and really needed that senior year to show what I had like that. That that level, that two star, 
or that three-star athlete, somebody that was really trying to get to this upper echelon power five school that's not going to have the ability to, to get there. But honestly, though, I mean, a lot of these kids been playing summer basketball. I've been seeing kids play soccer all day, travel baseball. They, I mean, they these people and these parents going to continue to let kids play. So, truth be told, honestly, if, if it was me and I had to make the decision, I would be like, you know, if – the parents voted for it. Y'all been doing it anyway. Go do it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, y'all been doing it anyway. But I know y'all can't. I'm, I'm looking on the outside in. But because I know y'all have to be more responsible. But if me as just a normal citizen, I'd be like, bro, y'all been doing it anyway. So y'all might as well just keep doing it. <laughs> and, and for me, that that that's cool for now. But anybody that has any knowledge of a of what a virus is knows mm-hmm. that you may be asymptomatic in your young life and then 10 years from now you're not so asymptomatic anymore mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying uh there are people walking around with aids and don't know it for 10 11 years <laughs> well, you had and, to bring that start, and then you start coughing <laughs> losing weight <laughs> You know, it's over with. You had to bring. You know, we don't know. We don't know what the long term. We don't know what the long term uh, effects of this thing is, and we don't know if it if it just pops up and makes you sick once, or pops up and makes you sick as many times as it wants to. Genital herpes comes as many times as <laughs> it wants to in your life. As many times. You can be stressed, non-stressed, healthy. If them warts want to pop up, guess what they gonna do? They gonna pop up. <laughs> All right, man. I'm going to close it down on me. <laughs> man, man, the man brought a whole STD education, sex ed class onto the <laughs> But I feel you. I feel you. I feel you. So, yeah, man, I want to thank all of y'all for being on the podcast with me today, man. And uh, I pray for all y'all on a, on a daily basis that, so that y'all be able to do y'all jobs well and that y'all being safe, the kids safe. And uh, I'm proud of all y'all. And, um, and um, you know, I'm going to shut this episode down. Uh, thanking all the educators that's out there. Thanking everybody that's working in the school systems. Everybody that's being essential out there. Um, you know, we're going to get through this. Uh, everybody be safe and peace.